Welcome to episode 12 of the BJJ Strength Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to bring you an interview with Farid Herrera, who is a movement training coach. You can find him on faridherrera.com. That's F-A-R-I-D-H-E-R-R-E-R-A, which is, you know, probably hard to disseminate in my Welsh accent, but I'll, I'll link to uh, Farid's information below. He's, I called him in the introduction, as you're going to hear coming up, a movement training expert, but he's very humble, didn't want to call himself an expert, um, but he's a movement training coach, and it's a really interesting story on how he, get in, how he got into the world of, of movement training, how he rediscovered it at the age of 12, how he thought that he had created parkour. It's, it's, a, it, it's, it's a great story. You should definitely listen to that. Um, yeah, but Farid has, you know, hasn't and still does travels all around the world including his home base in london running workshops and doing one-on-one coaching teaching people how to rediscover you know human movement and all of the various aspects that there can be to human movement and you know even as someone you know personally who trains jujitsu and you listening to the show probably trains jujitsu you see some of the stuff that he's able to do and it's almost, you know, movement going from 3D to 4D in terms of the stuff that you know, he's able to do with his body and it's 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 artistic in the way that he does it as well, which is not just impre- impressive in terms of the movement, but impressive in terms of the control. And what I hope that you get from this episode, uh, apart from some of the specific tips of, you know, uh, in terms of exercises that you can do that uh, Farid talks about, also... I'm hoping that you get, you know, motivated to bring in a bit of movement training into your daily or weekly training practices. Even, you know, in, even in jujitsu, when we're exposed to also almost an infinite possibility in terms of the way that the body can move, jujitsu can be restrictive. You know, we tend to fall into certain positions and certain patterns over time. And if you do strength and conditioning on the outside, if you do yoga on the outside, uh, outside of jujitsu, you know that's you know fantastic, and I encourage that absolutely. But even th- even in that situation, you can be exposed to certain patterns of movement. But I think there's so much more that the human body can do, and so much more that the human body. We we talk about this in the show about how some of the movements seem really difficult. That you know that Farid will actually teach people. I've seen you know very young children do it. At a drop of a hat, almost like it's no no issue at all. So it's not like we're training and taking the body out of its comfort zone. We're coming back into the comfort zone that we used to have. And my personal opinion is, the more we can expose ourselves to the to these kind of movements that fall outside the set standard patterns that you could get from jujitsu, strength and conditioning, or yoga, the more you expose yourself to new patterns and different possibilities, the better your body is to able to handle the random situations and the random movements you could encounter in day-to-day life or let's face it, what you're listening to this show for in jujitsu. Some of the really strange joint angles we could end up in when we post our arm out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's it's a re- it's a really great show. Before you get into it, I will say that uh, you know my the original software I was going to use failed when we started recording. I had to use a backup option. It's the first time I've used it, so apologies. The sound quality isn't as good as I'd like it to be. But hey, this is episode twelve. I'm still learning. I'm still you know 
figuring it out as I go. I'm not at Joe Rogan's level yet, uh, you know, maybe one day, but I think the quality of the content is going to speak for itself. And quickly before we get into the show, uh, make sure to head over to bjjstrength.com and take a look at the a lot of the lower back pain content I've been putting up recently and also on youtube.com forward slash b. Uh, BJJ Strength. I'll link to some of the videos and articles I'm referencing below. I've just recorded and I'm about to release a lower back pain program, um, you know, coming very, very soon. So I'm trying to build up a bit of interest in that. And take a look at those articles, take a look at those videos. If you've got lower back pain or if you think someone else has got lower back pain, share the information with them. I'd really appreciate that. But other than that, guys, let's get on with the show. You're listening to the BJJ Strength Podcast, helping you be your best physically, on the mats and off the mats. The BJJ Strength Podcast, with your host, BJJ Black Belt, and physical optimization specialist, Lawrence Griffiths. And record. <laughs> well, it's going to record, and we can get this going. Let's get this going. Yeah. Um, so good job. We started early. Apologies for all that, all that pissing around. Um, no worries. No worries. This is only episode twelve, so I'm I'm kind of still flying by the seat of my pants in many ways. <laughs> Amazing, man. Still so, good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So I'll introduce you quickly, and then we can we can dive into it. Um, so. Farid Herrera, is that correct? The correct yes, 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 Farid Herrera. Yeah, yeah is, um, I'll ask you to, dis- you know, I'll give you an introduction, but I'll ask you to describe what, you, what it is you do in a second. But cool. uh, you're a movement training expert is, you know, if, if, um, I believe, if I look online and look at all of the work that you've done. And, you know, the reason I wanted to speak to you, I was watching a lot of the videos that you've been put on an Instagram and the, uh, yeah movement you do it's like it's like a really smooth combination of it's like almost dance yoga break dancing crawling animal movement it's a real combination of a number of things and i'm as a you know a, B, a bjj practitioner i'm a big proponent of you know a number of diff, developing a number of different different physical areas but one of them being kind of movement training and going outside the box of just a straight up, down, left, right type strength training and exposing the body to all of these different, it's almost, I'd go beyond saying it's 3D movement, it's almost 4D movement. Yeah. Um, what, sure. what really impressed me with you know, some of the stuff that you were doing is not, not just the movements, but how smooth and controlled they look as well. I find it hard enough to do 90% of what you were doing but with the level of control as well. It's almost, there's an art to it all, over and above, I think, just the movements that you're doing. Um, and anyway, for, you know, for, for it is, um, you've been featured in men's health magazine. You're a performer in the London 2012 Olympics, just to name, you know, some, some, you know, very quick pieces. If um, you look at all your yeah. accolades and you currently live in London and you travel around the world and, you know, teach within London, but in other places as well, movement workshops to a wide variety of groups and organizations. So I'm, um, really excited to, to speak to you today. Um, and just get well say hello and we'll go from there yeah awesome thanks uh Lawrence. yeah yeah that's uh you pretty much summed it up i think uh maybe uh a movement expert might be a 
a bit too high of a title, but I've, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been buzzing around making my noise in this kind of in, in, in the, the realm of movement, if you will, for, for quite a while. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here, man. Thanks for, thanks for the invite. Yeah, so you're humble as well when you when you you turn down the expert title. So obviously you're quite humble as well. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, yeah, yeah. So ex- explain to me and for the people listening, what what's what is a movement training coach? What would you know, if someone had no idea what what it is you do? How would you how would you explain it? So uh, it's uh, it's. It's a bit. It's, it's almost a million dollar question. There is uh, what is a movement training coach? It's. Um, I guess for me, movement is is a is a spectrum essentially. It's it's not really like a specific activity that uh, encompasses a set number or type of movements. It's just it's a spectrum. So, say you are playing chess, you are pretty low on the spectrum of movement training (laughs) and then say you're playing golf you're still pretty low but you're a bit higher than chess and then you've got tennis football and then you've got you know the the more diversity in terms of the movement patterns you're having to do the closer to movement training you are essentially Mm. Um, that's kind of the way i look at it and uh so i guess a good starting point is i I can give you the, the reasons that people come to me so when people yeah, please. usually they say to me, Oh, Farid, I, I really want to learn to move my body. I want to, you know, learn how to do things such as perhaps balancing a handstand. I'd like to play with uh, a different patterns that I've not played with. A lot of it is uh, sort of back bending and bridging. People really want to sort of play with that part of the, I guess, uh, the pattern. Um, yeah. What else? They want to be able to kind of express themselves also. They say, I just want to be able to move freely. I want, I want to be able to, to, yeah, just to express themselves uh, physically and to move freely. And, and I, I guess for them, uh, uh, this is a wild guess, but uh, I guess for them things like uh, competitive sports or sports in general maybe feels a little bit um, confining, essentially. Maybe they think, mm. oh, you know, I've got to follow rules. I've got to do it this way. Whereas if you are sort of, you know, if you're sort of wanting to do movement training, I think it's, it's also an expression of, of perhaps not wanting to have to deal with rules or right or wrong ways to do certain things or to move your body essentially. So I think that's one of the, uh, yeah, that's what a lot of people that come to me uh, sort of say and yeah, they mention these things. Yeah. 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 And a lot of the, when I work with a lot of my clients, I tend to have yeah. a set standard, you know, six or seven movement patterns that I want to put people through. So yeah. upper body and lower body push and pull, you know, yeah. rotational strength, rotational stability, um, which can become confining, right? Um, so do you, when you're, when you're talking about people that want to have more freedom, they want to express themselves, they want to come out of the confinement of maybe some of the, the the usual physical activities they may be doing. Do yeah. You, is it do you start off with someone being okay? These are the basic movements we'll start with, or is it is it fairly random and fairly organic based on the people that you're working with? 
Yeah, it depends. Yeah, so it depends on on who I'm going to be working with. Sometimes people, um, sometimes people come to me and they say they want something, which when I look at them, I think they're totally not ready for. So mm-hmm. then that's when I, as a teacher, have to um, sort of impose what I think will be best for them in terms of longevity, safety, uh, in order to eventually get them to where they want to go. Um, other times people come to me and they're quite, they've been, you know, quite physical for their life and they know exactly what they want. Um, and so we can start with immediately looking at, you know, whatever it is they want to learn, whether it's handstands, crawling patterns, um, bridges, rotations, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So did I hear you right? You said that when someone says they want something, so let's say they say, I want to do a back bridge. Yes. Typically, it means they're not ready for it. Yes. Mm. Um, Yeah, sometimes sometimes they are, actually, Lawrence. It's quite quite funny. Sometimes they are. So I've had quite a lot of yogis, which yogis tend to have uh, great backbends. They're incredible at backbends. Some Mm -hmm. some of the yogis have, have... taught uh, have a better backbend than me um but for some reason um i i think that the practice of yoga can also perhaps be quite linear i don't actually know that much about yoga i've only done a few classes yep. um but as far as i'm concerned yoga is quite confined to the to the size of the mat mm-hmm. um, and so when it comes to uh, bridging inside of a movement context so you're more dynamic you're all over the place you might be entering a bridge just from having uh, done a crazy swipe with your leg or, or a cartwheel um all of a sudden it becomes a whole different ball game so um so 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 i get yogis with incredible backbends but they can only enter bridge um from a limited number of kind of positions essentially um and there's one that uh, there's one there's one um, entry into a, a backbend, uh, which is sort of you, you, which is called a, a rotation into a bridge, um, which would require you to basically come out of your mat. I imagine if you were in a yoga context. So a lot of yogis don't play with that pattern, um, and they say to me, "Oh, you know, I'd love to to do all that rotation stuff that you do." And so I have to teach them how to place their hand in order to rotate correctly how to move the shoulder, how to step over with the leg, etc. Um, and then usually when they're ready, it's just a matter of one or two sessions and then that's it. They've got that pattern. It's like they're just, I'm just up- upgrading their software essentially. Mm. Their, their hardware is there already and then off they go. They can play with that new pattern. Exposing them to those patterns. That's right, yeah. Mm. So you, you said you, know, you haven't had much exposure to, to yoga. Um, neither have I <laughs> but um, you a few lessons here or there so I'm, I'm interested to hear how how did you get then into how did you get to where you are today get into the movement training what was kind of what were the entry points into um, becoming a movement trainer not, not so much becoming a movement training coach per se but you know how you got interested in how you got interested in movement how you develop these patterns where you learn from etc yeah so I was quite lucky at school. Um, well, my school was architecturally quite interesting. So it had loads of like interesting rails. Um, it had some funny 
walls that were angular and they were quite low. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of, uh, I mean, I, I essentially, I think at age 12 it was. Yeah, I think when you're in year eight in the, the London school system, I think you're around 12, I think. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I thought I made up parkour. Um, I thought I created. <laughs> it turns out uh, I found out a year later or so that I didn't create it, but I thought I did. And uh, so, yeah, I was just not really super keen on the um, competitive sports. I actually like, I like competition, but I guess it's a, a different um a different story but at the time i wasn't into the sort of competitive sports and my school was like yeah football everyone loved football back at school yeah um so i was always i would always get inspired by the architecture and i'd like try and climb up these walls and play with just just try and vault over this rail and eventually i managed to convince a bunch of my friends to come and just basically play and explore movement using these rails and these walls and then yeah kind of uh, unbeknownst to me i started a little a little group of yeah, we were just exploring movement and and, and my, my school was brilliant for it. And um, yeah, about a year after I, uh, I didn't have the internet back then, but a year after, I think it was 13 or 14, something like that, I got a computer with, with internet or whatever. And I uh, started looking, you know, online. I think it was Daily Motion at the time. I don't think that was YouTube. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I discovered, uh, yeah, sort of discovered parkour and gymnastics and uh yeah, I saw the uh, the famous uh, David Bell advert. David Bell's there, the founder of parkour. He did an advert for, I, think, I believe it was Channel 4, where he was uh, racing around the rooftops of London and he was trying to beat the traffic in order to get home to watch his favourite Channel 4 programme or something like that. I think I vaguely remember that. I'll need yeah, to, I'll need to look at that. It's called Rush Hour, the advert. For anyone that wants to see it, you can probably find it on YouTube. Just type in David Bell Rush Hour. Rush hour. And yeah, that's the name of the advert. And that essentially is when I realized that I hadn't created parkour or that you know that there were other people doing what I was doing and uh you know, it sort of blew my mind and then I showed all my friends and then yeah, mm. we just became quite that that really got the ball rolling. And I, I discovered another great acrobat by the name of Joe Ago. He was a really interesting guy actually at the time. Um he's doing some some uh, some different stuff now i went to look at his youtube channel recently he's moved away from the acrobatics but joe ago is another huge inspiration of mine joe ago yeah he was more of a, an acrobat a tumbler gymnast mm -hmm. and so i was thinking man you know these yeah you know just seeing these people i just wanted to be yeah, essentially i just wanted to be like all of them um and uh yeah it's it's fascinating to to hear you not to think to think that you created parkour um that's, that's it, not not so much not, not to make it not to make a not, not to make a joke out of that but it's fascinating that you you developed it in isolation yeah and, yeah, I, think yeah, yeah. and I think it speaks volumes for the natural kind of innate human desire for explore, exploration and play and movement and i completely agree with you yeah yeah and when you i, I know you you know you said on the site that that journey started at 12 years old I look on my, I've got two young daughters. Yeah. One, one's nearly a year and one is three years old. Wow. All, they, all they want to do is move. And it's almost, right. when you say you rediscover, you, well, say you discovered it at 12 and started the journey at 12, it's almost like you 
restarted the journey at 12 years old. That would be a way better way of putting it, uh, Lawrence. I, I agree with you. I think it was more of a rediscovery, a restart. Uh, I agree with you. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. So then, I, I, after, once once you discovered parkour, then I understand that you you got you got into parkour and you became certified as a coach, etc. And that that was a big part of of your training as well. That's right. So, um, so yeah, then discovered Joego, and then uh, I sort of uh, it's this is this story is all on my on my website on the, on the homepage. I'm sure you had a look at it, but I quickly uh, I convinced my PE teacher to bring in a gymnastics coach just because uh, we had such good equipment at school, but we just didn't use it. And I was just upset. I, I, I was just tired of getting, I used to try and sneak in there and I'd get kicked out all the time. And uh, I was sick of getting kicked out. So I, I just begged my PE teacher to get someone in and, you know, you know, credit to him. He, he got someone in, you know, and he said, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll get you someone if, 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 you, if there's enough interest. And then, so I gathered all my mates and then we'd, we'd uh, every Tuesday, you know, it was the best, best day of the week. It was, uh, mm. Uh, credit to my uh, first gymnastics coach his name was Danny you know it's our oh, Tuesday Danny's coming you know we're going to do our gymnastics so we, we used to train a lot and then I, I learned a lot of uh, a lot of uh, basic acrobatic movements uh, around that age as well back then yeah oh, what were the ba- what were the basic movements they started you with so your typical forward roll backward roll kick up to handstand cartwheels round offs and then eventually it was uh sort of your more flashy uh, backhand springs, backflips, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's, a, it's, it's the dream when you're a kid. You're just like, I just want to be able to do all that. I don't want to be able to do a backflip, you know? Yeah. Even now when you teach kids, it's like, can you do a, you know, can you do a backflip? It's like the, the most com- commonly asked question, you know? Can you do a backflip? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you didn't just do that to me. Yeah, yeah, so um, I've seen you do I've seen you do front front flips off branches in trees. Yes, uh, I've seen some of that stuff, and that looks crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. We uh, yeah, we can we can dive a little bit into that uh, later. I know you wanted to talk on the uh, the tree jumps and stuff. Yeah, um, it's it just something like a cartwheel. You know, when we do a warm up in jujitsu, I'm, I'm teaching a class in a couple of hours. Maybe I'll get people to do cartwheels because nice. I. I yeah. You know, we do we do a forward roll and a backward roll, but it's a very different kind of forward roll and back roll. It's specific to jujitsu. And then now and yeah, again, yeah. you'll get people to do, um, you know, cartwheels. And it's amazing yeah. watching people. There are there are some people that can do it. Yeah. And normally, it's the the, the women or the girls are way better and better at it than the guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's incredible to watch just something that I see. You know, my next door neighbor, they've got. Uh, two girls. One of them is six years old, and she's yep. just fought, fallen into backbends doing cartwheels, <laughs> like like that, like it's like nobody's business. Yeah, I love seeing that stuff. It's uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, thinking about then the the kind of the basic movements you um, you know you learnt when you were doing doing the gymnastics. Actually, yeah. before I ask this question, so you look, so let's carry on with the story a little bit so you so you learned you learned gymnastics and then and then you eventually you got it got into got into parkour how did you what was when did the transition or not the transition what was the inspiration for you to then go do you know what i want to i want to do this i want to teach people i want to teach people how to move you know when, when did that happen uh i'll tell you Lawrence. this was a uh I'm not massively esoteric, but 
this was one of these moments which uh, I recall now and it almost makes me laugh. Um, I remember, I couldn't tell you what age I was, but I was definitely still in school and it was before my GCSEs. So I must have been either 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. And uh, GCSEs are quite important uh, exams in the, the, the UK school system. Um, and, I, and so it was, you know, about time for those. And I, I remember I was in the playground and I was... Again, you know, every day was we couldn't wait for lunchtime, you know, just because we would go get to play on this on this rail and and, and do some movement. And I remember uh, for, for whatever reason that day, uh, I was I think it was either on my own or there was not that many people there. And uh, I got a uh, I got an image or a thought and uh, and it was literally this what I'm about to tell you was this is the future. That's, that was my, those were the words that I just, I could, I could, that sort of were seared into my mind at the time. Mm. 15, 16 year old boy, just going out to play in the playground. And I just thought to myself, this is the future. And then at that moment, it was almost like I decided that I was gonna pursue this, whatever I was doing. Because at the time I, I didn't really have a clue what I was doing, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. Yeah, a bit, bit of parkour, bit of gymnastics, but was uh yeah i had that that sort of vision or thought that this is the future and i thought i'm going to pursue this um over over anything else so yeah I, i'll respect studying i'll respect my exams uh, if if i if i decide i'll go to university I, i'll do all of that but really what i'm going to do is this and i had no idea in what way shape or form that was going to manifest itself mm. um, yeah so that's yeah and that's all i can i can give you on that to be honest yeah yeah well i thought that's so cool though that you know at 15 you kind of 15 16 you made that decision and you kind of knew and i know people now in their 30s and early 40s and still don't know what to do with their life yeah that's right i I think yeah i mean in a way when when i look back on it, it you know it was a bit of a naive decision but i think the way things turned out and you know the rise of parkour which you know i think a couple of years in you know parkour gained a lot of steam and then now the movement culture more recently a few years ago has blown up you know so had absolutely no insight into that but it was just somehow i i, I had this feeling that i would make this work essentially somehow or, or at least at least pursue it yeah with yeah. everything yeah yeah so with with the way that the movement culture has developed and, like you say, blown up, and I think it has blown up over the last probably yeah. five, five, five to ten years. Do you think it's? Do you think it still has a long way to go? It's an interesting question, Lawrence. Actually, because I almost feel like I'm in the bubble, so it's really hard for me to mm-hmm. to be objective. But you're you're sort of. I feel like you're also in the bubble a little bit, but you're. It's slightly more on the edge of the bubble because you're, you know, you're doing BJJ and there's still a huge amount of movement there. But it seems maybe from your perspective, what do, do you feel like movement culture's really sort of buzzing around? It's it's making loads of noise. I think, <clears throat> as opposed to you know your conventional fitness, strength training, SNC, all that kind of stuff. 
it's definitely it's definitely a lot bigger because I've been yeah, yeah, I've yeah. been into let's just, let's use the broad term of strength and conditioning. Um, you know, I've you know been interested in strength and conditioning for the last nearly twenty years. You know, originally through right. rugby, then getting into jujitsu. Um, yeah, and yeah, I was exposed to something like like parkour. But I think yeah. I I put an article up a few weeks ago and. I think when you look at the human body and if you look at it specific for, you know, a sport like jujitsu, you've got to look at the whole system and all yeah. the various aspects that lead into optimal physical performance. I yeah. think people, people understand that, okay, I've got to do some mobility or flexibility work. People yeah. understand that, you know, I've got to have good pulling strength and good pulling strength and good core strength. But the yeah. big, the big thing that I, I try to push is in you know, a one pillar of that system needs to be movement. And I, I see movement training that's anything outside your traditional left, right, up, down type strength training. Yeah. And I yeah. know that it jujitsu exposes you to a lot of movement, but I can quite easily go to jujitsu, pull a close guard and hold people in that position right. or, you know, really limit the positions that I go in. And also with yeah. jujitsu, if I, you know, fight, say, in half guard, I, I'm, I'm sitting on my right hip all, all of the time, which I tend to do when my left hip is up, you can, right. get, you can get imbalances. So sure. you're exposed to a lot of things, but there's also a lot of limitations. And I think a movement practice to force yourself outside the yeah. normal areas that you're exposed to, forcing yourself into, you know, through, you know, comfortable progressions, uh, you know, a better and better range of motion. Because I think mobility is is great, but, you know, range of motion of the joints is more important. And yeah. more and more exposing yourself to, you know, we've, we've talked about a back bridge. And, you yeah. know, my, my six-year-old neighbor been able to do a back bridge easily. There was a point that we all probably could have done a back bridge easily, but we've lost yeah. that ability over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a saying, right, healthy, you know, uh, healthy back no, the, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your spine. I messed yeah, it up. With this. You're as old as your spine, I think. It is. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So the point, you know, I, I suppose I'm working around to making is that even within jujitsu, you know, I put, I talk a lot about movement to the, some of the, well, quite a bit yeah. of movement with social media stuff that I do. But I got into one debate on the YouTube channel where someone said, well, you know, as long as you, we, we, let's talk, take the upper body push um, motion yeah. as an example. So you can push away from the chest and you can push straight up, uh, you know, on top, on, you know, overhead. So like a bench yeah. press and a shoulder press. Let's use those two yeah. exercises. And this person's point was that, well, you know, the, the muscles contract regardless of where, you know, the, the joint is going. So yeah. as, long as, you, as long as you can train the contraction, the body's going to be able to handle the movement. But I disagree because all, of all the you know, the joint angles, all of the support in stabilizing muscles are going to be very, very different in those two movements. Yes, I agree. And if you look at the full range of motion of the shoulder, I'm, I'm spinning it around, right, which nobody can see, but it can go yeah. all over the place. So why limit it to those two, yeah. just two rigid positions? And the point, the point that, uh, again, being very long-winded, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. getting to make is that I still find it hard i still need to convince a lot of people even in the jiu-jitsu world how much a movement practice can be beneficial not necessarily to their jiu-jitsu but to help to look after their body so they can enjoy jiu-jitsu for longer so if i if i struggle to convince people in jiu-jitsu i still think 
it, it has a long way to go in the rest yeah. in the rest of the population as well you know just just basic stuff like being able to get into a good squat yeah i agree with you yeah I agree so with you. i think it has a long way to go i agree with you see it's interesting because i'm in the bubble so every time someone talks to me they're already interested in movement I don't have to, I hardly have to go around convincing people, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I'm doing a workshop in the Netherlands. It was like sold out. I think 21 people came and they all pretty much were looking forward to it. They knew the general scope of what we were going to be looking at. And yeah, we had a whale of a time. And so it's, yeah. So because I'm in the bubble, sometimes I, uh, I, I don't quite, I almost don't register how, how much, how, how long away it has to go. I mean, if you said you're having to convince people inside of jujitsu to do movement, to, to expand their movement vocabulary, then it certainly has a long way to go. I, I do get a glimpse sometimes I'm riding along and I'll see, I'll see someone sort of on the, on the treadmill or the stair machine through those big glass windows, like looking, like watching TV, just sort of walking upstairs and I do think what in the world has happened to us. But yeah, I think, I think you're right. It does. It does. It, 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 yeah. Essentially it has a long, long way to go still. Yeah. Gee, yeah. Let's take walking as an example. You know, walking is got to be the most basic human movement that, you know, that I can think of for, you know, for the, for the vast, for the vast majority of people. Yeah. And I know Living in London, I walked everywhere. But now that I live in Southern California, my walking is is much more limited because it's right. just, it's just the setup and yeah. How, yeah. how little walking people do on a day to day basis. Yeah, um, it's just that just moving and seeing yeah. movement as okay. You've got you've got your little boxes of okay. I'm going to train in this hour, this hour and a half, whatever the case may be. But the yeah. general idea of just moving the body is not exercise just moving the body is what we're meant to do yes agreed agreed yeah 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 even even something like walking is is just it's just not enough no you know? i mean my 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 dad bless him he's uh he's on his way you know he's, he's getting he's getting old now and um he uh he walks every day you know and you know it's just not enough his legs are still they're atrophying, you know, yeah. they're just, it's just not enough. And he's been, you know, prescribed to do a, a bunch of different stuff by his physio. Cause he, he had a fall the other day. He's, he's fine. Um, but he had a, he had a little fall the other day and um, they weren't too sure what it was. And they just seen his legs and they're quite atrophied. They're quite weak. So they, they got him on a, a little, little training program and he's doing squats and he's building up to pistols. You know, he's a, oh, wow. he's old now, but, but clearly, and he walks every day. He walks for about, I don't know, maybe say, half an hour, 40 minutes every day. Mm -hmm. It's still not enough. It's still not enough. Nowhere near enough. Yeah. So if you were, let's, let's say, let's say you were to train your dad. Yeah. How, how would you, how would you go about, how would you go about training him? Would you put him into, okay, we're just going to do some body weight squats and build up strength first and then get into the more expansive stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I'd give him a I'd give him a general benchmark that I want him to aim for. I'd say it would be it would be cool if you could squat down all the way to the floor to begin with. A nice squat without your heels coming off the floor, and then come all the way back up without grabbing a hold of onto anything. 
and then yeah. from there we would we would tackle um, we would tackle that concept in how, however way he needed. Maybe his ankles are tight, so we'd have to do a bunch of car stretches, etc., or, or whatever it might be. Um, but a general benchmark with a di- like a, a directional benchmark, and then we have room to play with that inside. But I think something like that for him would be, and I think to be honest, credit to his physios, they've done a pretty good job. They've get, I, I, I've looked at the program they gave him; it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And do you did you find with with the people that you maybe it's maybe it's a little bit difficult, right, for you to answer this question because I'm sure the people that come to you already have some kind of appetite for this movement training. For the most part, yeah. Yeah, but do you get people that you know? The, the average person in the Western world probably sits down 10 hours a day, doesn't do much exercise, probably has tight hip, hip flexors, yeah. know, tight back, etc. Are there, I suppose what I'm trying to get to you is if someone is listening to this podcast and they're thinking, okay, I want to get into movement training. I want to absolutely, yeah. right, we'll talk about where they, where they can find you later on. And I'll put that yeah. in the show notes. But what are the kind of the two or three things that you would say, look, start off here start off with these kind of movements to to get to whet your appetite and get you into movement training so it's uh it's cool you mentioned it because actually my one of my first ever one-to-one students was um a really good friend of mine now um he's called john and uh he had sort of been living your typical uh desk job lifestyle um and he'd been sort of sitting down for his whole life and he came to a workshop I put on with a friend of mine and um, yeah and uh, he had a vague idea of what movement was you know he'd been exposed to to the gold medal bodies the GMB stuff that we were having a chat about off air and he um, yeah he just said look I want to I want to do some 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 stuff some movement training I want to want to do something different and um yeah, I've, I've, uh, it's quite timely, actually. I just finished writing a little blog post on my website dedicated to him. So if anyone wants to check that out, uh, they definitely should. It's the it's a short recap of John's story and uh, and my, my training with him. So that's got some uh, awesome little insights. But um, yeah, I basically had a look at him. He was pretty, you know, immobile. He'd been sitting down a lot. And he also didn't have much coordination or he he didn't even really understand how much how much power he had if that makes sense you know he didn't even know how high he could jump you know it's like all of these basic functions he just didn't know anything about he didn't really know you know people don't tend to know these things you know how much weight they can bear on their arms that kind of stuff you know Mm -hmm. and i think knowing that stuff is so so important you know it just I think it translates to it translates to a kind of inner sense of self-confidence. You know, if you're walking around and you know, if if what I, I use this example quite often. You know, if you're from the underground in London and you get pushed onto the train tracks by a drunk guy on a Friday night, do you know? Do you have the confidence and the the, the confidence in your ability to to climb yourself back up onto the onto the platform? You know, it's just. I, I find it sort of fascinating how many people walk around without this knowledge, without this confidence. You know, they, they, a lot of people, they, they don't know whether they can even get themselves back up onto the platform. You know, they, they might not know whether they have the arm strength. Then there's also the technical element for sure. But it's just 
I don't know, just walking around with that feeling inside of you just makes you a completely different person. And I think it connects you to a different side of yourself. So I think I always argue that that is where a large part of people's real inner confidence come, comes from, you know, that their physicality. How able are you to, to, to move if you need to, you know, even if you, you don't need to for, for 10, 15 years of your life. I always say there's going to be a point in your life where whatever will happen to you and you know you would had you not done any movement training at that point in your life you you would have thought to yourself i would have been way better off if i had you know um Mm. i don't know it's just uh i guess i went on a little bit of a tangent but to go back to your initial (laughs) question which i think what would we what would i uh sort of um give people that are new to movement one challenge I usually give to people is I say, for example, uh, I get a lot of questions on, on my Instagram. People ask, oh, I'd love to start. How, how can I start? You know, and it's like, I don't know anything about these people. So I usually say to them, for example, start with just lie down on the floor and try and find uh, 10 different ways of getting up from the floor. Right. And if you do the same way, you know, asymmetrically on both sides, it, it, does, it doesn't count as two. It counts as one right and just find 10 different ways of getting up from the floor and then getting back down see how many ways you can come up with they have to be different for example that's got quite a lot of uh you know that, that'll encompass quite a lot of movement there and there and then i say fine, fine. could you think of a way to get up uh that, that you you thought of a way to get up but for whatever reason you couldn't do it then ask yourself why why couldn't you do it you know, that's also another interesting question. And that might spark some interest. Oh, you know, why can't I do this thing? Maybe I'm too tight here or maybe I'm too weak here or, you know, it'll light up. It might flag up different interesting insights into into your body and, and how it's set up currently, you know. Um, so that's one thing. Um, and then when I work with people directly, um, it's a little bit more personalized, I guess. Um, Squatting is a huge one. Uh, a lot of people talk about, you know, flat foot squatting. I think it's obviously a, a great benchmark, a good way to start. Um, yeah, hanging, pushing, pulling, all that kind of stuff um, that you were talking about, I think is, is also really, really interesting. A lot, a lot of people's pra- practice only involves one one thing, you know. So I think in, in jiu-jitsu, there's bit of pushing there's some pulling i think you're having to drag people by the gi you know you, mm-hmm. you do you know like a kind of a rowing motion sometimes so it's got a bit of pulling it's got gripping it's got you know it's got a good mixture of both but i think something like for example as far as i'm concerned yoga doesn't have any pulling yeah um, you know even things like even even practices that are, that are highly you know sought after like up where i don't have any pulling for example you know, um, and then you've got things like gymnastics, got loads of pulling, popular has loads of pulling and pushing. So, yeah. What would you, well, I've got, this is really interesting, and I've got about 10 different tangents I could go on right now. But I was going to mm-hmm. ask you, with something like your, okay, there are different forms of yoga, and I don't know them all. And if you're not a yogi expert, listening, you, you, <laughs> you can critique me. But, yeah, just but for, go ahead and roast us, yeah. Yeah, but, for more, but I think you're right in terms of the lack of pulling with most forms of your yoga. And also, most forms of yoga tend to be, it's, you're stretching 
in a static, um, you're stretching in a static position and you're increasing your range of motion typically in a static position. Yes, you move yes. through positions, but you're, uh, for, for it, there's a little bit of background noise. Yeah, sorry. Um, is that better? Yeah, it's a little better. Thank you. Um, no worries. But what would you say to the fact that, you know, you're developing a range of motion in static positions in yoga <clears throat> as opposed to, you know, through something like movement training. And it's not to say you do one or the other, you can do both. You're developing a range of motion in a more dynamic nature and a more realistic nature that could apply to life and also apply to jujitsu. Do you think there's something to be said for that? Um. Sorry, uh, Lawrence, sorry, I was distracted. So, can you hear um, <laughs> me? Yeah, no worries. Really sorry. My, my girlfriend just got home. She was like doing some crazy stuff in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> tell me. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Um, so with yoga, we yes. you know, tend to develop a range of motion in a static position or a static hold, but the way that we need, need range of motion in life and in jiu-jitsu is a lot more dynamic. You really hold yes. and you're moving through different positions. So my personal opinion, it's kind of a leading question. I, I can guess what you're going to say. My personal opinion is that you can do both, but I think developing yeah. a range of motion um, you know, while you're dynamically moving, dynamically moving is going to be a lot better for you. Well, not better for you. It has a lot of additional benefits on top of yoga for jiu-jitsu. Yes, I agree. I mean, jiu-jitsu in and of itself is, is pretty dynamic. You know, there's, there's hardly, I imagine, I, I mean, yeah, th th there are points where you're just sort of contracting to the max when you're trying to, you know, submit someone, I guess. But for the most part, 90% of jiu-jitsu is uh, dynamic. Um, so it makes total sense to, to go down the, the kind of... Uh, the mobility route where you're working the strength in your end range mm. um, and you're really trying to develop yeah mobility and strength in the end range as opposed to in static holds or or positions for sure and also i guess not even just in in jiu-jitsu even even if you're going to do things like you know gymnastics or or parkour or bouldering climbing whatever it is it's um yeah you're going to be moving and putting your body through weird positions and weird ranges um that are going to require you or, or that you would benefit from being stronger in essentially yeah yeah and you, you you mentioned something developing strength in your end range of motion yeah 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 i think yeah i mean um yeah you see it quite a lot in I mean, in gymnastics, for example, you have to pull yourself up from a, a dead hang, for example, or even in parkour, you might be trying to climb something and you're trying to pull yourself up from a bit of a dead hang. So you, you might be at your maximum overhead arm extension and you're going to have to pull hard from there. Um, so it's, yeah, in terms of a, a utility perspective, I think it's, yeah, a lot more beneficial. Uh, yeah, a lot more beneficial to have to, to work with that sort of end range strength. So quickly going back to, you know, flat, flat foot squatting, maybe this is yeah. going to be a little hard over a podcast, but we'll try. Um, and I want to ask because squat, uh, a flat foot squat is something I've had to work on for years and, I, years, and years and I still struggle with. Right. Are there, are there kind of two or three exercises that yeah. you would normally recommend to people to, to get into a deep squat? And I also ask it because I know that I think if people can get into a deep squat, for yep. jiu-jitsu, it's going to help yep. a lot with kind of their, their, their guard playing because of how yes, high you need yes. to bring the knees up, etc. Yeah, 
Yeah. So um, one good one, which I think you'll get uh, a lot of benefit from, is the pancake stretch. So for anyone that's not too sure what the pancake stretch is, you're sitting on the floor, your legs are at, uh, in front of you straight, and they're spread um, as far apart as you, you can spread them, and you're sort of sitting upright. And you're basically trying to hinge at the hip and fold down and get your body flat on the floor, as flat as possible. Um, mm. Sitting in the strand, trying to get your body um, down as flat. And uh, all of that stuff's going to work. Obviously, your your hamstrings and your inner thighs. And I think you, if you think about squat positions, it's, it's almost essentially like a pancake, but you're bending your legs. So the, yeah. the pancake stretch, I think, is a really important one. And um, one exercise you can do is um, an iteration of the pancake, but you just grab a, a light weight um, between, I don't know, say four kilos and 16 kilos, depending on how strong you are, how much training you've been doing. And you, you, you just stick the weight on your back and you get into the position and then you just um, go up and down for reps with the weight on your back. Um, to, to try and get your, your pancake essentially slightly lower to the floor. That's going to help your squat massively. Um, mm. Another one is a squat hang. So you could basically, again, grab a weight, kettlebell, again, between four and 16 kilos, maybe even heavier on this one, and uh, just squat on top of something, a box, whatever it may be, and have the kettlebell hang down um past the edge of the box so essentially it's that the weight of the kettlebell is dragging you down um as you're squatting on the edge of, of whatever it is you're squatting on that should also help your squat quite massively um so would that be so uh, so if i think of something like a goblet squat rather yeah. than like a goblet squat where you hold your arm with this your arm your arms are just dropping all the way down and you know exactly down. exactly so in a goblet you'd have the weight by your chest i imagine something like that yeah with this you would just allow your hands to, to drag down between your legs and, and reach the floor essentially mm. it's essentially like an elevated goblet squat and you're letting the weight hang down i've never done that yeah squat hangs they're huge they're, they'll They'll really help you out, I think. And you can go quite heavy. You can try and keep your back straight as well. If the weight's not too high, uh, you can round your back. Stuart McGill would probably kill me for saying that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with rounding as long as the load is not too, too high. Um, and if you're going a little bit higher, try and keep the back straight. Yeah, yeah. So those, I don't know if you've, if you've done those. I don't know if you've done the, the pancake, the weighted pancake stretch. That's a really good one. Those are, in my opinion, they're guaranteed to get you some results. Yeah. I've seen the pancake stretch, and, and guys, if you Google pancake stretch, you'll see it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I struggle with that so much. I've seen it, I've tried yeah. it once or twice, but I've not put much effort into it. Um, yeah. And the squat hangs, I've, I've done goblet squats, but I've never done squat hangs. So that's, yeah. that's, that's very cool. Very cool um, indeed. It could be it could be your Achilles or your calves as well. So just doing um, sort of one-legged calf stretches might also help you with your ankle dorsiflexion. Yeah. Basically, just hang out on the edge of a step with one leg and spend, let's say, thirty seconds or, or, or 
between 30 and 90 seconds, just completely stretching down the ankle. So you're on the ball of the foot on the edge of whatever a step. A platform. Mm-hmm. And you're just hanging out there, really working uh, to lengthen the back of the, uh, the calf, the back of the leg. Do you have a way that you test someone's ankle range of motion when you're working with them to know if ankle, uh, if, to know if that's a problem versus other areas? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's really obvious. You just look, you just look at their, you, you just look at their squat, and you can tell. I had a an online student of mine who I met recently, and as soon as I met him, I was like, "That's definitely a big issue." Um, so you can kind of see sometimes you just look at it and you see, um, and it's quite obvious. Yeah. 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 And the reason I ask is from a selfish perspective, I, I work a lot on my ankle mobility because I don't think it's great, but I'm never convinced whether it's my ankle mobility or other areas of my mobility that kill the squat. But, um, I'm going to try, I'm guessing that how hard I found the pancake squat in the past. Yeah, that's probably Lawrence. Probably that'll be that'll be a huge factor, especially if you're telling me now that you've not done them much. Yeah, sorry, pancake stretch. I sh- I should say not pancake squat. Yeah, pancake stretch. Yeah, yeah. Or straddle, you, straddle stretches, and we call well, it as well. When do you recommend that people? That's like when you recommend that you do the stretch, and how often do you recommend people do these kind of stretches? So I got. Again, to refer back to my blog real quick, I'm going to release, I've just finished writing a really cool uh, post on my website, a blog post. I'm going to release it. I can tell you right now when it's going to be out. It's going to be out actually tomorrow. Okay. Um, and the tell- blog post is called um, the, best, the Two Best Leg Flexibility Exercises That You're Probably Not Doing and How to Do Them. Yeah. Me- okay. That's, that's going to include the old uh, pancake and it's going to have a video. So you can actually literally just go on that blog post, Lawrence. And, Perfect. Uh, you, uh, the, the, I'll explain how to do all, all of this stuff and I'll link to a video and all. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, um, and what's, what's uh, give people the name of your website. It's uh, um, www.faridherrera.com. So F-A-R-I-D-H-E-R-R-E-R-A.com. It's my name.com. Very good, very good. I'm. I want to start wrapping. Well, I don't want to start wrapping this up, but I need to start wrapping this up in a couple of minutes. Cool. Um, but I, I've got a lot of stuff that I'd, I'd like to continue talking about. Um, but I've got to, I've got to get off to a jujitsu class. And, and cool, cool, cool. That. So talk. I want you to talk a little bit about. I know you do workshops, and people will see that information on the. Um, on, the, on the website and yep, yep. I'll, link, I'll link to your social media the, the Instagram feed is excellent guys you've got to see some of the stuff that uh, for it does but talk a little bit about about the how the online training works because I'm really interested in that so cool yeah so the online training is pretty simple I just get a uh, I just get a request um, so you just send in uh, send in a message through the website or you can actually contact me on Instagram or whatever. And I just ask people um, what they want to learn first of all. So if you have any idea what you want to learn, it can be specific or broad. It doesn't really matter. Some people already know they want to learn handstands, bridges. They want to learn different crawling patterns. Uh, other people are slightly more broad. Um, so they'll say, oh, um, I just want to you know, express myself a bit more. I want to learn how to move. Um, and then I will um, ask them to send me uh, specific videos. 
um, first, just to see where they're at in terms mm -hmm. of their level experience. So I might ask them to send me a bunch of videos on uh, different uh, ability tests. Um, I might ask them to send me a video of them doing uh, their attempt at a handstand or their attempt at a bridge. So then I can assess, okay, where's where's where where could where can improvements be made for example in the mm -hmm. bridge shoulders and hips whatever uh, and then from all of that information i will basically write up a program um and it'll have the exercises uh how many reps how many sets i'll have a, a huge online library of unlisted videos on youtube so i will link to them uh, so that people can go and see me do whatever it is that I'm asking of them. Um, and that's it. They get their program. You can just get in touch with me. There's unlimited support. So you can literally just contact me. If you're under my uh, online coaching program, you can contact me whenever you want. Uh, and I will watch your videos, give you feedback on material. I will update the program uh, as you progress. Um, so it's it's uh, it's essentially like one to one training, but done remotely. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. it's uh, yeah, that's how it goes. And um, yeah, I, I wasn't sure about it at the beginning, and then I got I opened it up, and I got really good results. My first online student was a, a really cool guy uh, from Lebanon, and he actually uh, ended up really enjoying. Uh, the, the 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 program and he he actually organized my uh, my trip to Lebanon and I did a bunch of workshops out there mm. and he was there and it was just yeah fantastic so yeah I, I wasn't sure about it at the beginning but I I think it's definitely in in the age of the internet and social media I think it's definitely a way to go now if you if you find someone that you really like and you want to learn from I think it's the, the viable I th that's a beautiful thing, right? That you've got someone from Lebanon that you can that you can coach yeah. from London. Yeah. And, the and the yeah. access. If information is there, right, the people have just got to kind of go out for it. That's right. And you can, also, yeah. I was going to say, you also have, um, if you still have that available, a free handstand book, right, available yes. on the website. Yes. So at the moment, I'm um, sorry to anyone who uh, wants to download it. It's just a little bit of a faff. Um, but you just go on my website, go on the mailing list, uh, you join, uh, and then you'll get an email with a link to the, to the downloads. And then you've basically got to go through a checkout process, um, but you're not, and you, you don't pay anything. The fee is zero. You have to go through the checkout process and then you'll get your, your PDF. It's, it's worth it. I, I've got, I've got a copy and I'm working through, well, I've, yeah. I've injured my elbow, so I can't get it right. straight at the moment. Right. But there were just, just some really, just, just all of the tips are fantastic, but you know, learning to find your balance point by using your hands rest of your body, and just some yeah. stuff that I instantly picked up that I'm working yeah. on that I hope because hand, hand, handstands are one of my goals. Um, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, yeah. I think they'll open up your perspective as well inside of your inside of your, uh, the jiu-jitsu context. Being able to invert and knowing where you are upside down. If you if you don't have that ability yet, that sort of software and hardware upgrades, Lawrence. When you start playing with that and you start getting comfortable with that, yeah, you you it'll open up new realms of possibility inside your game. Um, mm. Definitely, I think maybe I'm unbiased, but uh, I think it, it, it'll be a, it'll be a factor at least. Yeah, there's um, 
you, you know Christopher Summer? Yes. Yeah, it's the well-known gymnastic coach, and you know this guy who coached you know the U.S. men's gymnastics team for like twenty-five years. And in his yeah, opinion, yeah. the handstand, being able to do a good handstand, has the most crossover benefit in terms of athletic performance over any other exercise. Right. Um, yeah. So that that yeah. it's a pretty strong opinion from someone that's someone that's very well established. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I would tend I would tend to agree. Uh, the, the proprioception, everything is just yeah. It's a it's a huge one for sure, and it's also really really fun. Yeah, yeah. right. I'm gonna I, I need I literally need to hang up in the next thirty seconds, unfortunately, because I've got I've got to get out of here. And no worries. You know, it's a shame we didn't have more time. And again, sorry about the pissing around with the the audio at the start, but it's been no fantastic to speak to you. Awesome. I, I think people are going to really enjoy listening to this. I think, you know, the ideas in terms of the stretches, the ideas in terms of how they can get into movement, just something as simple as finding 10 ways to get up off the floor, you know, something yeah, I never yeah. thought about. So, and, you know, I encourage people to get over to the blog to look at some of these posts, follow you on Instagram and really expire. A good friend of mine talks about movement vocabulary. Yeah. yeah. The stuff and expand your movement vocabulary. And it's, it's going to, it's it's if it, if nothing else it, it's fun and it feels great um oh it, it it'll affect your life it'll affect your life in a in a in a way more impactful way probably than it than you can even begin to imagine if you haven't experienced it that's for sure yeah, yeah. absolutely absolutely well right i do i do need to hang up right now Cool. thank you so much i appreciate the Pleasure. patience at the start this has been look let's let's stay in touch let's stay in touch stuff that you're doing well i'll leave you i'll leave you get on with your evening and we'll almost speak soon my friend all right enjoy jujitsu thank you take care buddy all right ciao ciao bye bye